Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up? What is up? Welcome to the first official episode of the Oregon Hoops podcast, a part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Arden Cravalo. A little bit about me, I'm a sports producer here in the Bay Area for 95.7 The Game and NBC Sports Bay Area. I am a Gonzaga University graduate, class of 2019, but I have a soft spot for Oregon hoops. Ever since Dana Altman stepped onto campus in 2010, I've been following Oregon hoops religiously, and I just have a love for them. I also just have a love for West Coast college basketball in general. I grew up going to a lot of West Coast Conference, Pac-12, Big Sky, Mountain West Conference basketball games. So not only will this podcast be focused on Oregon basketball, we'll also take deep dives into Pac-12, other conferences in the West Coast, and just the college basketball world in general. For this first episode, though, since it is Right before March Madness, I want to take a look at Oregon's part of the bracket, which is the West Bracket, look at a potential deep run for the Oregon Ducks, and also give you my final four picks and maybe some sleeper picks across the entire bracket. So first, let's start with the West. Towards the bottom, since that's where Oregon is around, that's Iowa, the two-seed versus 15-seeded Grand Canyon. This Grand Canyon Antelopes team, it's quite a story. They transitioned into the D1 basketball uh, program about five or six years ago. They finally got over that hump and got a conference tournament championship out of the whack, getting that automatic bid. Great story for the Antelopes, but tough draw with the Iowa Hawkeyes and Luca Garza, potential National Player of the Year, most likely going to win the National Player of the Year award. Luca Garza is a very hard man to stop. I mean, he can stretch out the floor. Obviously, he has great footwork down low, and he's a force uh, down low. What makes this Iowa team so special, though, is that when he may, may be off his game, we could say, he's having uh, double teams thrown at him, triple teams down low. He has a beret of shooters around him in Bohannon, Frederick, Wisecamp, McCaffrey. And that's what you really want when your star is the five or the big man uh, of the team. You want to have those shooters build around him so he can kick out and get some other opportunities to get some points on the board. So I like this Iowa team taking care of the Grand Canyon Antelopes in the first round. All right, now, Oregon versus VCU, 7 versus 10. First of all, the Pac-12, they always get very bad seeding from the NCAA Tournament Committee. Oregon is well-deserving of a 5 seed or a 6 seed, not a 7 seed. Let's take a look at what Oregon did this season. They finished the regular season 20-6. and six. Very good record. Obviously won the Pac-12 regular season title. They have wins over Seton Hall. They have wins over Eastern Washington. And then in conference play, they got some solid wins throughout the year. I'm looking at their schedule right now. They beat Arizona. They beat Colorado. They beat uh, UCLA. The one team that they didn't get a chance to beat is USC. And we could potentially see them play each other in this West region. We'll get down to that in a little bit. The last game that Oregon played 
didn't look very good. The semifinals matchup against the Oregon State Beavers couldn't hit a three to save their lives. Under 25% from deep, got killed on the offensive glass, gave up way too many uh, second-chance opportunities for the Beavers, and that's why the Beavers won that game and then eventually went on to win the Pac-12 regular seat or the Pac-12 tournament title and get that automatic berth into the NCAA tournament. Put that aside, Oregon is a hot, and I mean a red-hot team. I'm looking right now at their schedule. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 of their last 14 games have resulted in a victory. That's that's a very impressive and not very actually kind of not surprising because Dana Altman, as we know, always has his team playing their best ball in March. Seems every year they might start off a little bit slow, but then once they get in the groove of things, they go on a hot streak, they get into the NCAA tournament, and they make some noise. And that's what I think this Oregon team is going to do. They will take care of VCU as a 10 seed, the VCU Rams. VCU has a star in Bones Highland, the Atlantic 10 player of the year, but he's dealing with an injury, didn't look as very good in the A-10 title game against St. Bonaventure, and I'm guessing that injury could affect VCU's chances against Oregon. I see the Ducks handedly taking care of VCU in that first-round game. Let's move on to another first-round matchup, Kansas versus Eastern Washington. This year is really strange when it comes to picking a bracket. I suggest you pick your bracket literally at the last second because so many teams are dealing with COVID issues that we don't know what these teams are going to put out there. Kansas right now, they don't have Jalen Wilson, their star guard. He will not play in the first round game. And now we have question marks surrounding David McCormick, the Big 12 most improved player for the Kansas Jayhawks. That's two of their leading scorers possibly not playing in this first-round game. So in that mind, taking that into consideration, I think I'm going to have to go with the Eastern Washington Eagles over the Kansas Jayhawks. Eastern Washington out of the Big Sky won the Big Sky tournament thanks in part to Tanner Groves, the Big Tw- or the Big Sky Player of the Year, and his brother, Both of those guys, they put up a lot of points on the board for the Eagles. I like the Eagles, especially considering all the issues surrounding Kansas and the COVID issues. Before we go any further, I will just say, the West bracket, I have the most upsets. This is upset central for me. And you'll see in the next couple of picks, or the next few picks, uh, as we go down the road. Let's move on to another Pac-12 opponent playing in the first round in the West Bracket. That's USC. They play the winner of the first four matchup between Wichita State and Drake. Again, USC only a six seed at 22-7. and seven. I'm surprised by that. I thought they would be a five seed. Again, the NCAA Tournament Committee looking at the Pac-12, oh, the weakest of the Power Five conferences. They beat up on each other. They cannibalize each other and hurt their seedings. I agree, but you got to give USC a little more credit. This team is so talented with Evan Mobley in the center. Evan Mobley, the Pac-12 Player of the Year, 
Defensive Player of the Year and Freshman Player of the Year. Now, I'll give him defensive and freshman. I was a little disappointed Chris Duarte got snubbed from the Pac-12 Player of the Year award, but that's a different story, maybe for a different time, a different episode as maybe we wrap up the Oregon season. Anyway, USC, I'll take them over Wichita State or Drake. It doesn't matter. Evan Mobley is going to be a force down low. Um, I think they can he take care of either one of those teams. A note, if you want to... If you are betting on the Wichita State-Drake game, that first four game for the 11th seed and for the right to play USC, Drake just got back their leading scorer, Hemp Hill, leading scorer and rebounder. It looks like he's on track to play in that first four game. So Drake, I would take the Drake over the Wichita State Shockers in that first four, but they will eventually lose to USC. All right. Here's the upsets I'm talking about. Ohio and Virginia. Ford, Virginia versus 13, Ohio. Again, COVID issues surrounding Virginia. Have you heard that before? They had to leave the ACC tournament after that buzzer beater against Syracuse. It was an amazing shot. But they had to leave the ACC tournament because of COVID issues. And we still... Do not know the whole situation. I don't know which player, or could it be a coach, or could it be some sort of staff member for the Cavaliers, had that COVID issues. We probably won't even find out about Virginia's whole situation uh, at least a day or maybe the day of before they face off against Ohio. So that makes me think, oh no, Virginia might not even have an opportunity to get a full squad practice before they have that first round game against Ohio. Now that might not be for certain, but if that were the case, I'm going with Ohio. I'm going with the another upset, 13 Ohio over Virginia. Jason Preston, the player of the year from Ohio. He's a dynamic guard. One of the best uh, mid-major players that you have never heard of, but will hear about because of the run that the Ohio Bobcats are going to make this NCAA tournament starting with that win over Virginia. I know Virginia's defense has always been a issue for opposing teams, but I'm going to go with Jason Preston, them having no answer for Jason Preston and the Ohio Bobcats moving on into the second round. Okay, another big upset potential. Number five, Creighton over, or excuse me, playing against 12 UCSB. Who do you think I have in this one? Yeah, that's right. Another upset. I'm going with the Gauchos over Creighton. I don't like what Creighton, the whole aura vibe around Creighton right now. Coach McDermott, if you haven't heard, there was a an issue surrounding something he said, a little racial issue. He actually lost a top 100 recruit because of his comments for a future class. So I'm just hearing that. I wouldn't even, I couldn't even imagine what this team is feeling about their leader right now. Creighton is kind of in shambles, and they didn't look good in that Big East title game against Georgetown. Georgetown with a surprising run. Shout out to Patrick Ewing. What a what a run it was in the Big East title. But I mean. Creighton is known for their three-point shooting. They rely on three-point shooting heavily, especially with Alex O'Connell, the Duke transfer. 
and they didn't they didn't look good at all from beyond the arc in that Big East title loss to the Georgetown Hoyas. So if they have another cold shooting night, if Alex O'Connell can't hit at least at the bare minimum three threes, I'm going with the Gauchos. A name that might sound familiar familiar to Oregon fans, that's Miles Norris. You remember him, the transfer out of Oregon. He plays for the Gauchos, a 6'11 hybrid forward slash center. He can stretch the floor. He's got some length to him. He's really stepped up into a bigger role for this Gauchos team, and I like him. I also like an Oregon State transfer that the Gauchos got in Jaquari McLaughlin, the Big West Player of the Year. He averages over 20 points a game for the Gauchos. So a couple of Oregon school transfers that the Gauchos rely on heavily on the offensive end. For that reason, I like what they did in the Big West title, taking care of UC Irvine in that title game. I'm going with the Gauchos over the Creighton Blue Jays. I know that's a lot of upsets in this West bracket, but I warned you, I'm going to pick a lot of them in this side of the bracket. All right, the 8-9 matchup, Oklahoma and Missouri. The 8-9 matchup is always a fun one. It's always going to be one down to the wire, really competitive game. This time around, I really don't like it, and I don't think it will be because these two teams in the Oklahoma Sooners and the Missouri Tigers are entering the tournament on very cold streaks, not looking very good. I have it listed right here for you. Oklahoma lost five of their last six games heading into the NCAA tournament. Missouri lost the last six of their nine final games heading into the NCAA tournament. And then big news also today in Oklahoma, according to head coach Lon Kruger, Devion Harmon, their second leading scorer, won't be available for not only the first round of the NCAA tournament, but if they were to make it to the second round, he will not be available for that game either. Big news out of the Oklahoma camp. So I know that hurts, but I love Austin Reeves. He's the leader of this Oklahoma team. He leads the team in points, rebounds, and assists. Both, as I said, both teams did not look good down the stretch, but I'm going to go with Oklahoma over Missouri just because Missouri even looked worse down the stretch, especially in the SEC tournament. And also the Tigers, they haven't won a turning game in 11 years, which seems very hard to believe. And for that reason, I think that's, that streak will continue. The Sooners, I will go with them, but they win over the Missouri Tigers in that 8-9 first-round matchup. All right, final first-round matchup in the West bracket. That's the 1 versus 16. My favorite to win it all, I'll tell you right now, it's going to be the Gonzaga Bulldogs. The deepest, the most talented team in the country. Without a doubt, you got Jalen Suggs, Joel Yayi, Drew Timmy, Corey Kisser, all players that were named to an AP All-American team. And then you got Andrew Nemhard and Antoine Watson off the, coming off uh, the bench at times. That team is so deep. It's ridiculous how deep this team. And if you haven't seen Gonzaga play, well, obviously you will now. They will easily get past the winner. Doesn't matter who. Uh, the winner of the Norfolk State or Appalachian State uh, first, ra- first four matchup. And they will move on to play Oklahoma. 
Like I said earlier, Gonzaga-Oklahoma, that'll be the second-round matchup in my mind. Devion Harmon won't be available. Second-leaning scorer, Oklahoma lacks any sort of offensive uh, threat outside of Austin Reeves, who will be available, and Devion Harmon, who isn't available. So I will take the Gonzaga Bulldogs in yet another double-digit lead. The streak of double-digit wins continues for the Gonzaga Bulldogs after the first two rounds. I will tell you that. All right, moving on to Santa Barbara and Ohio. Two surprising teams, double-digit seeds in the second round, and one's moving on to the Sweet 16. It's going to be a fun one. So (laughs) a total Cinderella matchup. I'm going to go with Ohio. There's always those there's always that one guy that makes a name for himself in the tournament from a mid-major school. And like I said, I mentioned him earlier, it's going to be Jason Preston. He's going to you're going to look back at the 2021 tournament and think, "Hmm, who was that guy for that one team that really just stood out that nobody knew going into the tournament?" It's going to be Jason Preston of Ohio. I think he can handle the UC Santa Barbara size. They are a little bit bigger, but Ohio will come out and they will be going to the Sweet 16 as a 13 seed. Unbelievable. All right, USC over shockingly uh, Eastern Washington moving past Kansas. Let's go USC over the Eagles. Evan Mobley, they're not going to have the answer for him. They will not. USC has the size, the length, the capability to overcome an Eagles squad or any sort of run that they may throw at them. I'm going to go with the Trojans moving on to the Sweet 16. And here's the big one that you as Oregon fans are now waiting for. Oregon versus Iowa. All right. Iowa, like I said, has the star in Luca Garza. There will be double teams thrown his way. He's going to be kicking out to shooters. It's going to come down to which team can shoot the ball the best from deep. Oregon obviously has a lot of great three-point shooters in Chris Duarte, LJ Figueroa, Eugene Omarui, and Eric Williams also has stepped up into a nice little role. And of course, the X factor in my mind, Will Richardson. This team, if Will Richardson can hold his own, shoots well from the field, doesn't turn over the ball well, uh, as much as he did to start off coming back from that injury. If he can keep a minimal turnover ratio, I like the Oregon Ducks upsetting the Iowa Hawkeyes. I really do. This Oregon team is a team of destiny. They are very balanced attack, and Iowa will not have an answer for it. Chris Duarte or Eugene Amarui will be the leading scorer in this game. I like the Ducks. I like the Ducks. Ducks are moving on to the Sweet 16, which means we got a Pac-12 rematch in the Sweet 16. USC versus Oregon. Ooh, ooh. Does it get any better than that? It doesn't. Now, if you remember, though, when Oregon went down to USC to play the Trojans in the regular season, it did not look good. Nothing was going their way. Uh, Shots weren't falling. Turnovers left and right. Um, just not a, co- a cohesive unit that game. So this time around, I would want to say Oregon gets the uh, revenge matchup, but no. USC, uh, what it comes down to in the NCAA tournament is two things that you must have to, su- su- to succeed. 
You have to have elite guard play, and USC does, and Tajidi, and Drew Peterson. And you also have to have veteran leadership. And they definitely do in Tajidi. What a great story. I remember watching a lot of games from him uh, when he played at Santa Clara down uh, in the West Coast Conference. He started out at Southeast Missouri State, very unknown, transferred to Santa Clara, made a name for himself, wanted to get up even uh, to a higher level, transferred to a Pac-12 USC team, and has now become the second go-to guy for Andy Enfield and the USC Trojans. So I do like the Trojans over the Ducks, unfortunately. But, I mean, come on, what a run it has been for the Oregon Ducks if they get to the Sweet 16. It seems like it's always a done deal with Dana Altman's squad that they're going to get past the first weekend into that second weekend. That one should be a fun one. And then people are going to start putting a little more respect to the name of the Pac-12 Conference if one of those two teams can move on to the lead eight. In my mind, I see the USC Trojans doing just that. All right, Gonzaga and Ohio. Gonzaga, honestly, they got the luckiest draw of the entire uh, one seeds in the NCAA March Madness. Very lucky draw. If they have to play a 16 seed, either Norfolk State or Appalachian State, and then Oklahoma, and then in my mind, I think they'll play an Ohio team, you couldn't ask for a better draw right there. And the double-digit streak will, winning streak will continue for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Obviously way too deep of a team for the Ohio Bobcats. So we got a fun matchup, though. Gonzaga and USC, in my mind, in the Elite Eight, a berth or a right to go to the Final Four. Like I said, you have to have veteran leadership, elite guard play, and then you got to also, I like to add this one, a freshman phenom, a freshman star. And both of these teams have that. Gonzaga obviously has the veteran leadership, and Corey Kispert, a senior, has obviously been to uh, March Madness before, played in a lot of big games in Gonzaga's recent history. They also have the deep guard play, the elite guard play, in Jalen Suggs, Joel Ayayi, and Andrew Nemhard, who will be a star for this Gonzaga team next year, will be the go-to guy. If that's your fifth best player, oh man. You're going to have a tough time as an opponent playing a team where Andrew Nemhard is your fifth best player. And then Gonzaga has the freshman phenom in Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs, I think, will be the most outstanding player in this West region. It'll be too much for USC. Tajidi might have a tough time guarding one-on-one with Jalen Suggs. Same goes for Isaiah Wright and Drew Peterson. The guard play will just over overplay uh, the USC Trojans and I see the Gonzaga Bulldogs moving on to their second Final Four, their first since 2017. Gonzaga will be your West, uh, part of the West bracket champions. All right, who else do I have in the Final Four? So Gonzaga, obviously, like I just said, out of the West. In the East, I got Michigan over Alabama. In that Elite Eight game, going into the Final Four will be the Wolverines. A lot of talent there. I have question marks around Isaiah Livers. We don't know if his broken foot uh, will keep him out of the first few games or uh, the tournament completely. 
that could be an X factor. I'm still going to keep going with the Michigan Wolverines. They are a very deep roster. Hunter Dickinson has stepped into a nice role as the freshman big man for this team. I think Michigan gets by a very tough East region. Gonzaga versus Michigan will be a Final Four matchup. Moving on to the South, that's Baylor. Baylor over Arkansas in the Elite Eight, and Baylor coming out of the South region to go to the Final Four. Baylor is the second deepest team in the country. We almost had that Gonzaga versus Baylor matchup back in November. I remember I was waking up early in the morning for that game. It was a 9 or 10 o'clock tip-off. It was one of the biggest games of the year. I got my cup of joe. I was all pumped. I had everything in front of me, and then it was canceled. One of the most saddest moments of this college basketball season that we didn't get to see the two top teams in the country go at it before the regular season even started. That would be Gonzaga and Baylor. But I will tell you this. I got Gonzaga and Baylor playing each other in the national championship. But first, Baylor, who will they have to play in the Midwest, out of the Midwest region in that Final Four game? It's Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, everybody talks about Cade Cunningham, deservedly so. Best freshman in the nation. No question the number one pick in this upcoming draft. He's got great size for a point guard at 6'8". He can stretch the floor. Beautiful stroke. He also gets a lot of his players involved. People might say that this team is just a one-man show. And when I hear that, I say, no, you are completely and utterly wrong. This team has proven that they have a deep bench. They have stepped up in the second half. And it was the that told I figured that out in the West Virginia regular season matchup when Cade Cunningham had COVID issues, couldn't play. Avery Anderson, the third, stepped up when it mattered most. He dropped 30 against Press Virginia and Bob Huggins' team. That is very hard to do. The supporting cast of the Oklahoma State Cowboys has really, really stepped up. I like Oklahoma State coming out of the Midwest bracket, upsetting Illinois in that Sweet 16 matchup, and also beating, I think, San Diego State in that Elite game, elite 8 matchup. So, once again, my final four out of the West, Gonzaga. Out of the East, Michigan. Out of the South, Baylor. Out of the Midwest, Oklahoma State. And then in my national championship, the matchup that everybody has been wanting to see since this college basketball season started. We are going to get it. It's going to be Gonzaga versus Baylor, two of the deepest teams in the country. It'll come down to the wire, too. It'll really come down to who can step up out of the guards. Will it be Jalen Suggs or Jared Butler? Will it be Joel Yai or Davion Mitchell? Who will step up the most? I think it's going to be Gonzaga. This is a team of destiny. Mark Few has been wanting to get that monkey off his back of that national championship. So has Scott Drew. He's had opportunities. He's had talented teams. But this Gonzaga team is just Way too talented. I think it'll be a close one. 82-80. to 80. Comes down to the last possession, honestly. The Gonzaga Bulldogs, in my mind, will be the 2021 national champions. 
Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the first episode of the Oregon Hoops podcast. We're going to obviously get more in-depth with Oregon basketball as the postseason continues. Thanks again. Stay safe out there and enjoy March Madness. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.